Turn in your Bibles. Turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. We're going to talk about pursuing purity. Man, didn't we do that in week one? No. In week one, we talked about agendas being promoted from society. Now, this week, I want to talk about an assassin that is taking over in our sanctuaries, in our saints, in our people, in the church. Okay, so uh, a little bit of a hot topic today, but it's going to end better than it begins. So just hang in there with me, even when it feels a little heavy. Um, I did not come unarmed to this battle. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. I read this one two weeks ago. I found that these scriptures were like, I wanted like, God, what scripture do you want? Which one do you want me to start with? And I found that this topic specifically, it was like a bag of Frito-Lays laying next to that jalapeno cheese sauce. You know, it comes in a can. It looks like it's a can of tuna fish. And you pop the top and it curls back, but it's cheese sauce. And you're like, I'm just going to eat one. And then all of a sudden, you're like licking the inside of the can, and all the cheese is gone, right? And Megan comes in, she's like, what happened to the cheese sauce? I'm like, what cheese sauce? I think they left it out of your Walmart order. I don't know what happened. I'm not sure. That's how these scriptures were. It was just a plethora. I I couldn't take just one, so we're going to look at several. Uh, Verse 9, I read this two weeks ago. Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral. Oh, hey, by the way, disclaimer, um, at least PG-10 today, okay? Again, I'm not going to be intentionally offensive with my verbiage, but there are some things that I just can't say, and we have children's ministry for a reason. So from this point forward, if your child hears something that you didn't want them to hear, It's your fault. All right, sexually immoral, nor the idolaters or adulterers. If it's in the word of God, we gotta teach it to our children because they're gonna learn about this stuff one way or another. And I would rather it come from a biblical born again child of God than the hallways and locker rooms of their campus or God forbid scrolling on TikTok and Instagram because we all know that that is a twisted version of the truth. So... Do not be deceived. Idolaters, adulterers, sexually immoral, nor men who submit to perform homosexual acts, and certainly women are included in that. And the list goes on. And I'll spare you from reading the rest right there because this is the important part. 1 Corinthians verse verse 18, chapter 6, verse 18. So flee. Flee sexual immorality. Why? Because in the previous verses, Paul asked the church, This is a letter to the church in Corinth. It's also a letter to us. Do you not know that you were bought with a price? Your body is not your own. You don't get to do whatever you want to. You don't get to look at, listen to, watch, behave, consume, eat. Oh, I can't get no help today. Whatever you want to. You are not your own. You were bought with a price. What was the price? God killed his son so he could have you. Do not trample underfoot the son of God again and call it grace. Yay, I told you it's going to get a little heavy. We'll just keep moving. You were bought with a price. You are a temple of the Holy Spirit. 
That's what your body is. Your body is a vessel for God's spirit to dwell. So you gotta be careful what you put in your temple. So you flee, flee. That is the framework. That's the formula of success when it comes to this. Run from sexual immorality because every other sin a man commits is outside of his body. This is why I would say, well, all sin is the same. No, it's not. It's not. Now, Jesus paid the same price once and for all, and the same blood that forgives a lying child, not lying like, but like a lying child, forgives the rapist, conforms the murderer, transformed the identity confused, the same blood, but all sin is not the same because all the consequences of all sin is not the same. And there are some sins that you commit that are outside of your body and still give an account to God, but there are some sins that you commit that affect your body. And by the way, if you're united in holy matrimony, you're not just affecting your body, you're affecting somebody else's body. And ultimately, you affect the whole body of Christ. So flee, because he who sins sexually sins against his own body. Galatians chapter five, verse 19, the church in Galatia, the acts of the flesh are obvious. And Paul is appealing, hey, listen, choose, choose the spirit. Follow the spirit. Don't gratify the desires of the flesh. Walk with the spirit because the acts of the flesh, they're obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery. Ephesians chapter five, verse three. Among you, among you, the saints, as is proper among the saints, who are the saints? Not who the church or somebody else says is saints. The saints are the children of God. This is a reference to somebody who has been born again, received salvation, and following Jesus. That make, Jesus makes you a saint, not somebody else, determining whether you are after you pass from this earth into the next life that you were actually created for. You're a saint. If you're a child of God, you're following Jesus, you're a saint. So as is proper among the saints, there must not be even a hint. Not even a hint. You know what's sad? Joshua Harris, the author of the book, Not Even a Hint, that I read about 15 years ago, is not even a Christian today. Because he got more overwhelmed by what he couldn't do then he was the relationship of who paid for him to be in Christ. The relationship that he had with the heavenly father. He was so focused on what he could not have that he forgot to be focused on who wanted him so desperately that he gave his life so he could have him. Not even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or greed. Greed? Yeah, it's in the same conversation almost every time you see immorality. Jesus and or the apostles speak of greed because you can't be greedy and be like Jesus. Colossians chapter three, this is the fourth church. Verse five, put to death. Mm. Come on, you can't just be forgiven and continue in your sin and call it grace. You have to crucify your flesh. That went over better in the first service. We're gonna keep going. Put to death Therefore, the components of your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and 
with the greed again and greed, which is idolatry. You know, I think just reading the Bible, I think that we're actually supposed to support the kingdom of God more financially than we do put ourselves in debt to try to keep up with people that we don't even like. I used to be hesitant to say it, and I just don't care anymore. <laughs> it's like, I don't know. Maybe it's almost 40. Maybe I'm just ornery. Maybe I have come to a place where I'm so sick of watching the enemy trap people with materialism and possession and them still think that they're saved. And I'm scared for people to have to give an answer to God who gave his all so that he could have you. Why would we not give? Why would we, why would we be offended and be greedy? I think that America will give a great account. Let me keep going. First Thessalonians chapter four, verse three. This is actually, I have a lot of these, but this is one of my favorite verses. For it is God's will. I think that's important. Like if you're ever reading the Bible and you say, it is God's will, you should probably stop and see what the author is about to say. Because Jesus said in Matthew chapter seven that only those who do the will of the Father shall inherit the kingdom of God. Well, if only those who do the will of the Father shall inherit the kingdom, then it's probably important that I know what the will of the Father is. Okay, cool. Everybody else will catch up later. It is the will of God. What? That you would be made holy. That you would be holy. And of all the things that the Apostle Paul could have said next, he didn't say that you would not build up too much debt he didn't say that you would not lie to cover up your secrets. He, he didn't say that you not stab your friend in the back to promote yourself over them. He didn't say that you would get, not get distracted on social media and be more interested in who's following you than who you're following. I can't get no help today, so I'm gonna keep preaching. You must abstain above all else because this is the thing that's gonna keep you from being holy. 2,000 years ago, I think that through the Holy Spirit, the Apostle Paul saw that you would not be able to watch commercials or drive down the road and look up at billboards without being tempted in this area. So if you want to be holy, for it is the will of God that you would be holy, then you're going to have to abstain from sexual immorality. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4, marriage should be honored by all. The reason, I said this two weeks ago, the reason that secular society is trying to redefine marriage is because we, the church, have been taking holy matrimony for granted for far too long. Because we did not value marriage, they want to redefine it. Marriage should be honored by all. What is marriage? The holy matrimony, the union of one male with one female. Mark chapter 10. It's right there in the Bible. It should be kept, the marriage bed should be kept undefiled. In other words, you can't bring your immorality into your pure relationship and still call it holy. So it does matter what you look at. It does matter what you do outside of the marriage bed. Because the marriage bed should be kept undefiled. For God will judge the sexually immoral and the adulterers. Man, what a heavy, I know, hang on. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22. The reason it's so heavy is because we have so many people that are okay with it. If we all agreed that this was not okay and we all were in here today and we weren't hiding things or keeping things or bound up in thoughts of things that just rose up that we feel guilty and shameful of, that's the devil trying to keep us in the shadows and God wants to bring it into the light. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22. 
Paul tells his spiritual son, listen, I need you to do something right now. Don't wait, don't think later. Right now, flee, run away from youthful lust. Like Joseph, when Potiphar's wife came after him and she took his clothes off and everybody's like, oh, poor Joseph. No, sucker, how many times were you in that bedroom? How many times did you flirt with her? How many times did you go to that place knowing that you needed that attention? How many times did you dress a certain way to seek attention that was inappropriate? How many times did you look at her the way that you should have never looked at her or think about her in a way that you should have never thought about her? And now she's gonna take your clothes off because you've been passing eyes at her for the last six months and you're gonna run out like you innocent. Uh-uh. No, no, no. But Run. The one thing he did right, for no temptation has overcome you except such as common to man. But God is faithful and he will allow you a way to escape, run, flee. Stop looking, stop thinking, stop going there. Stop flirting with that person. Stop texting that person. Don't even send that message. Don't respond. Run. And instead, because this is God's will for you, pursue righteousness. Pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those calling on the Lord out of a pure heart. Because it is so hard to be confident as a child of God when you have impurity laced in your heart. Here, write this down. No amount is okay. No amount is okay. No amount of immorality. No amount of impurity. No amount of immoral images on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, Facebook, and the list goes on. No amount of pornography is okay. None. Lust and immorality are like crack cocaine. It's not like, well, I just smoked a little bit of crack. I'm not that bad, you know? <laughs> I only crushed up two pills today. I'm doing better than I was yesterday. Okay, but you're still going to jail. I mean, I only shot up a little bit of meth. Like, I'm doing better. I'm tapering off. All my teeth are gone. Can't eat real food, but it's like. <laughs> but for, and we laugh, but for some reason, we think that we can stare at people and it's okay. No! We think that we can dress inappropriately for our coworker or that person at the gym. We think that we can watch that movie and compare our spouse to some Hollywood actress or actor. Oh, come on. And we're like, well, it's okay. But then we laugh when they're like, don't smoke crack. Yeah, well, duh. Well, stop doing it. Don't walk through a cloud of somebody else's crack smoke and start snorting it. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. I was just there. I was just, yeah, but you smell like it. So you're guilty. No, come on. It's like, uh, so I don't know this, if, this, if you're fighting this battle. My wife put this out there on Facebook, okay? So it's free for me to share in a sermon. You put it on Facebook, it's a warning. I'm gonna have a, a lot of people unfollow me today. You put it on Facebook, it's free game. I'm telling you right now, it may end up in a sermon. I won't call your name, but I'll look at you. <laughs> you put it on social media. All right, so my wife put this out on social media. We're fighting flies. 
okay? Unlike any other area. And now I said that we were eating with Dr. Wes Stafford who grew up in Africa. And we're like, we're so ba- sorry about these flies. He's like, what flies? <laughs> I was like, I don't even notice. He had one on his forehead. I was like, for real, you don't feel that? Seriously? All right, anyway, so we're fighting flies. Now, if a fly lands on something my wife's about to eat, she's like, oh, 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 that fly just landed on my food. I'm not eating that. I'm like, push it over here. It's like, I'm not gonna not eat something because a fly landed. No, they poop on stuff. Everything poops on stuff. Like, that lettuce been pooped on way before you rinsed it off, put it on your plate. You didn't even use antibacterial soap. You've been eating all kinds of poop. You don't even know about it. But, however, though, like, if you bring some brownies to my house and you're like, hey, look, now, uh, I just want to let y'all know, man, y'all got flies. Okay, y'all got flies. You should be okay with this. We have mice. And uh, when I was making these brownies, a mouse ran across it. So somewhere in these brownies is like a little bit of mouse poop. It's just like, it's just a little tiny turd. And like the whole batch of brownies, it's not going to hurt anything. So I'm like, y'all can have them brownies. I'm not eating no little tiny turds today. Like, it's not happening. The fly landed on it, you're going to eat it. Yeah, I know, but I can't see it. <laughs> like, you put a little tiny rat turd in something, I'm out, okay? I'm not eating that. I don't care how good it is. And we, and this is what, that's what this does. There's no amount that is okay for you to put in what you consume and be okay with it. That's why Paul wrote, not even a hint. As proper among the saints, not even a hint. Now, I'm not saying that you're gonna be perfect. I'm, gonna say, I'm saying you should stop being okay with falling in this area. All right, let me, James chapter one. Um, who's eating the, uh, the, yeah, who? Bailey? Oh, come on, Bailey. Now listen, Bailey's daddy is in the room and mama. I did not even ask her to do this. Pastor Dylan did this on first service. These are volunteers. They wanted to do this, okay? But you can't preach a series called Hot Topics and not have a Hot Ones Wing Challenge at some point in the services. So we did this in first service. Bailey volunteered. And I think in the name of Jesus, everybody signed waivers. All of you here right now, the church is not responsible for whatever happens. Bailey, the church is not responsible. I said it, whether she heard it or not. The church is not responsible. Whatever happens inside of your gut from this point on, that's her responsibility, okay? That's the waiver. That's the disclaimer. Um, Here's what James says. Watch this. Each person is tempted when he is enticed by his pastor to eat things that he shouldn't. (laughs) This is important because a lot of people like to blame God for their sexual desires. A lot of people like to blame God for their sin. So James likes to point out in the first chapter of the book that the Holy Spirit inspired him to write. He said, hey, you don't get to blame God for tempting you because God is not tempted. You're not tempted by God. You're tempted by your own sinful desires. And when you're tempted by those enticed, because it's one thing to be tempted, it's another thing to meditate on that temptation and be enticed by it. Verse 15, this is what takes place. The desire when is, is conceived, right? now. So now you're pregnant with an ungodly desire and you're meditating on it and it's conceived and you give birth to it. 
And now sin, it was just an idea and now it's an action. But sin, like people eating these chicken wings, <laughs> sin is not satisfied. I, I, it's not easily satisfied, it's not ever satisfied. Like it will never, it will never take enough. And sin, as our speaker last week at camp, sin will always make you pay more than you intended to pay and cost you more than you intended to give. And it will take you further than you ever wanted to go. That's what sin does. And you can see the process, and James writes about it. So the more that you sin, the more that it grows, and the more that it grows, ultimately you're destroyed. It's like this hot wings challenge. Which one is the light wing? That one. That All right, one. so go ahead. Let's, let's taste the first one. She volunteered for this. If this were my daughter, I wouldn't have let her do it. But, you know, actually my oldest would probably. How is it? That one's not that bad, right? It's kind of spicy. Bad. Yeah. Yeah, just a little bit. But just you Cajun, girl. You can't. That ain't even bothering you. <laughs> she Cajun. She don't even. She my dad's even use... cooking is hotter than this one right here. Yeah. But yeah. That's good. That's, that's Joey's daughter. Yeah. She's like, <laughs> This is nothing. Yeah. This is nothing. I don't even use prepositions. I'm Cajun. <laughs> Look that wing. It ain't even hot. My even, mouth's not even burning me. It? Yeah, go ahead and finish eat the second it? one. No, 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 because now, because that's what sin does, right? It's like, it tempts you. It, te it, it causes curiosity. Like, oh man, I got to taste. But then that one wasn't that bad. So let's, let's, we'll go a little bit further. That one's all right. It's a little bit hotter. Hey, so as yeah. she's... That one's hot. <laughs> that one's very hot. All right, so that's the middle one. Like, that's the middle one. Now, before, and Pastor Weston, could you do the honors here? This is the third, this is the third sauce. It's the hottest. It's called Apollo Creed. It knocks out Rocky, okay? Um, so just to give you an idea of how hot this hot sauce is, um, and by the way, as soon as she does this, well, actually, as soon as she does it, we're gonna watch what happens for a minute. <laughs> And then uh, afterwards, we're gonna give her some Bluebell because Bluebell cures all things, like sadness, spiciness, Bluebell is the cure. It's manna from heaven. It's actually very, uh, it's vegetarian Bluebell. It's vegetarian Bluebell. Um, the cows ate the grass and made the milk, so ultimately you're just eating grass, really, if you eat Bluebell. Um, <laughs> all right, so you haven't even eaten the third one yet? No, I didn't know I was supposed to. No, 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 you're not. Hang on a second. Okay. I want, so just to give you an idea, the second one. Do we have a trash can? I'm okay. It's okay. really hot. Okay. Well, hang on a second. <laughs> so a jalapeno is like 2,000 to 8,000, depending on how hot it is, on the Scoville scale. Some of you are very familiar, but just for everybody that may not be, um, a, a habanero pepper is like between, between 15 and 20, and then Tabasco is like 30 or above, depending on how long it's been simmering. Okay. This hot sauce... This hot sauce is two and a half million on the Scoville scale. A jalapeno, eating a jalapeno is like 8,000, maybe 10 if it's really hot. This is two and a half million. <laughs> All right, you go ahead. She volunteered. She volunteered. Ooh, okay, that's enough. Whew. Okay, just let it, how does it taste? It's good. It tastes good. I made the chicken. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, it hit. It hit. Oh, it set in. Okay. Yeah. I'm sorry. That's awful. 
It's bad. Is it stinging? It's, it's your in tongue? the back of my throat. Like whatever the back thing that dangles is called. Like it's 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 all the way back there. Is that like adenoids or something? Was it? Oh. I don't know. It's on my that lips little too. thing that dangles in the back, it's hurting. Okay. Um, Pastor Dylan said, I feel it in my feet. Okay, that's what he said. All right, so so that was that was a representation of sin. And then over here, it was a really high dollar piece of steak, filet. Now, Pastor Weston burned it, so it's not as good as it was gonna be, but <laughs> I didn't say it in first service. I was waiting for more people to be here. Um <clears throat> But the filet, the filet represents your relationship with Jesus if you're single or your marriage if you're married because both of those are in Christ and your singleness is just as valuable as my marriage, okay? So the filet, it's good. All right, we have, she's crying. Poor sweet Bailey. Okay, I want you to eat that filet. Do you like steak? Yeah, filet normally, like if Micah took you on a date, and that's how they actually got engaged. Micah, pres- no, not really. Go ahead. You eat the steak. How- She's so excited about eating this. How's the steak taste? Dry. It- well, that's because he burned it. Blam. Um, what's the flavor? What's the- None. There's no flavor. Okay, no flavor. Ba- y'all give Bailey a hand. Get out. Just You can leave all of that here. Go take care of your wife. I think she just spit steak. She spit steak. God bless her. Um, yeah, so again, she volunteered. And, uh, and I don't know if we just made an illustration that you'll never forget, but we definitely just made one that Bailey will never forget. Here's the point. When you consume things you're not supposed to consume, it ruins what God created for you to be fulfilled by. That hot two and a half million Scoville scale sauce ruined the chicken wing and then she could not even enjoy the filet she couldn't enjoy the relationship that God intends for her to have she couldn't enjoy the marriage that God does shine upon because she succumbed she didn't just have a thought now not really Bailey in this scenario but this individual let's say she represents a young woman who's scrolling and starting to believe an agenda being shoved down her throat maybe she represents another lady who was married at one time and for whatever happened whatever happened happened it wasn't even her fault but now she's beginning to dress to impress for inappropriate attention maybe she represents a guy who thinks it's okay to look as long as you don't touch but what happened was God had this pure, undefiled, paid for by the blood of Jesus relationship that he wanted to have with his child or in holy matrimony, his children who he sees as one and he can't have it and you can't experience it because you're consuming a bunch of things that you weren't created to consume. And James tells us how to deal with this. We don't just deal with the action, we deal with the thought. Replace the thought. Right now, some of you have thoughts. They have arisen as I've been beginning to speak. Tomorrow, you will have thoughts. You will have desires. You will be enticed. You will be tempted. You can't just rebuke the thought. 
Boy, I rebuke the thought of staring at that girl not wearing any clothes. I rebuke the thought of staring at that person laying out on the beach. I rebuke the thought of going back to that channel. I rebuke the thought of sending the message in that app. I rebuke the thought. I rebuke the thought. What are you thinking about? The thought. Don't think about how much you hate Florida. Don't think about how much you hate Florida. Don't think about how much you hate Florida. What am I thinking about? I stink and hate Florida. Not like the state or the people, specifically the team, not the individuals, okay? Pray they all end up in heaven without a World Series. <laughs> I love my friend Chad Hodges. Love you, bro. Hate your team. All right, so, but if that's what I'm doing, all I'm thinking about is that. You got to replace the thought. Here's an idea, it's just one idea, there's multiple ideas. Replace the thought of the temptation, because the temptation's thrilling, right? The idea of the immoral, the fantasy of the forbidden, it's thrilling, right? But the consequence of the choice, the consequence of the reality is damning. So replace the thought of the thrill with the reality of the consequence. Start thinking about the consequence. When I'm tempted, I like to think about the consequence. About seven years ago, I was in a regional meeting with a bunch of other pastors and the president of Emerge Ministries, a counseling service that we have a 1-800 number on the back of our card to call for as ministers, because we're not above this stuff. This guy's standing on stage and he presents his Bible to a room full of credentialed ministers and he says, he shows us the back, he opens it up and where mine is blank right here in the back, he just has name after name after name, couple after couple after couple. Missionaries, evangelists, pastors, entrepreneurs, godly people who are doing great things for the kingdom of God, who did not hold themselves accountable, who were not open, who did not build boundaries, and who were not willing to stay behind those boundaries. Moral failure after moral failure after moral failure after moral failure. And he said, if you wanna be next, then just think that you're above the accountability that is required to stay where God wants you to stay. He said, I want everybody in the room, I'm not gonna do it to you. He said, I want everybody in the room, I want you to close your eyes right now, I want you to go stand in your pulpit mentally. This is the thought that I want you to have. I want you to see your children and your spouse sitting on the front row. I want you to look into the eyes of your congregation that you preach the word of God to with conviction every week. And I want you to see the disappointment in their eyes as you resign from your position because you didn't have good boundaries. As you resign from your position because you thought you were above accountability. I want you to look into the eyes of your children and see the disappointment and the confusion of why you would choose this over them. And I want you to look into the eyes of your spouse as you confess what you have been thinking about, allowing to be conceived, birthed, grown, and ultimately acted upon to destroy you and what God has called you to. See their pain. And now evaluate your boundaries.
So when I think about being tempted, when I think about succumbing to a sin because I have stupid thoughts or the devil plants stupid thoughts or society bombards me with perverted, twisted, ungodly, unbiblical ideologies, I think about Jesus and his calling upon my life. I think about God and his will for my life. See, we have, when I say, when I say pornography, there's two things that happen. One, it makes people curious. If you've never looked it up, if you've never typed it in, if you've never Googled it. And that's why it's so important that we don't assume that our children are the ones that aren't looking at it. It's why... Guys, you cannot give a child unmitigated access to the internet. You cannot give social media demons access to your children and call it entertainment. This was not intended to be a babysitter for you to train your child in the ways of the Lord. God gave them to you. Stop allowing the world to speak into their lives because you have better things to do or more entertaining things to do. Set boundaries. Set boundaries, oversee them, watch what they're watching. By the way, if it ain't good for a child, it ain't good for a child of God. I can't get no help in the quiet side today. If it's not good for them, it's not good for you if you call yourself being born again. There is not an age limit on your purity. I don't care if you're, oh, come on somebody. I don't care if you're 18 or 21 or 82 or 102. God calls you a child and what you put in affects what he is able to bring out. We have a secret assassin alive in the sanctuaries. And it's the secrets of immorality that we allow in our eyes and in our lives. Oh yeah, it causes curiosity. It intrigues like forbidden fruit. But it also makes us uncomfortable. When I say the word, why does it make us uncomfortable? Because it's impure. Because it's immoral. Because it's like that hot sauce that ain't nobody supposed to be eating. Ruining that prime piece of steak that everybody would have loved if Pastor Weston wouldn't have burned it. <laughs> He's like, I'm never cooking for service again. I'll let you worry about it next time. See, this secret assassin attacks children at and under the age of 10 because statistically, children are exposed to pornography, immorality, impurity, and it's not just pornography. That's why I keep saying more things. Between eight and 10 years old. Statistically, 50% of the people, if I were to interview you across this room, 50% of you were exposed to something you did not intend to be exposed to involuntarily. Less than 10% of you heard about this and began to seek it out for yourself. What does that tell me? It tells me that demons don't play fair. It's time that we stop playing fair. It's time that we start doing what we're supposed to do as God's children to not just warn the next generation, but to stand in the gap on behalf of the next generation. 
Not to just warn them, not to just tell them, but to train them in righteousness. Demons don't play fair. Eight, nine, 10 years old, we're in an epidemic. Yeah, we're in an epidemic, all right. Let's talk about the real epidemic. We are in an epidemic of immorality in this nation. And the church has been silent long enough. Pastor Dylan said it last week, your silence is your approval. It's time that we speak up and we're honest with this generation about the reasons and the ways that the enemy is attacking them, that no amount is okay. And by the way, we don't just say it, we show it. Come on, somebody. We don't just talk about it, we train them because we know how we've gotten out and how God's brought us in. We have an epidemic of immorality, alive and well. And you know what's interesting? This is the one area that the world tempts us the most. But if you succumb to it, then they will use you as an example of what not to be. They dangle it in front of you constantly. It's on social media. You could just be watching something you're supposed I've been watching a sermon on YouTube. And all of a sudden, I got an ad full of stuff I ain't supposed to. I'm like, hey, Gabriel, look away. Look at daddy. Close the phone. Throw that sucker in the lake. Where's your phone, babe? I threw it. So my screen's always cracked. I love watching things on my phone with my children. My wife, last night, I was like, I looked and there was a video playing. I was like, what's that? What are you looking at? She goes, I'm checking your history. I was like, okay. <laughs> and I don't even know how she did it, but I can't delete history on my phone. Parents, you might want to talk to her. I won't throw you under the bus today. But there's ways to guard can I tell you that there is not a filter for an impure heart? There's not an accountability app for somebody that just doesn't want to be holy. We have an immorality epidemic. It severs your confidence as a child of God. It severs your relationship with Jesus. Yeah, it's thrilling at first, but it destroys your marriage. It defiles your purity. It kills your reality. And when you feed your flesh fantasy after fantasy after fantasy through novels or through social media comparisons or through pornography, have I gotten everybody? Whatever you are comparing your reality to, stop it. Because your reality is like a steak compared to the hot sauce of your fantasy. And when all you do is fulfill your fantasy and fulfill your fantasy and think about your fantasy, your reality can never measure up. It wasn't even created to. The enemy wants you to be fulfilled by fantasy, the thrill of the forbidden. Well, God, why did God even put it? No, no, no. Why didn't Adam burn the tree down? Why is the tree even there? I don't even have time to share all the stories and examples. Adam should have gotten rid of the fruit. The woman ate the fruit. What did she tempt him? What did the devil tempt the man with? A naked woman holding a piece of fruit that he wasn't supposed to have. And we've been succumbing to this same temptation over and over and over and over again. What? The fantasy, the thrill of the forbidden, the attraction to one another more than we are attracted to God. And we wonder why the, why the world doesn't want to be a part of the church. Well, it doesn't hurt to look. Well, there's a man behind the curtain. Have you heard about this? The man behind the curtain, hot topics. And just leave this up here for a minute. We're like, who's the man behind the curtain? All these Hollywood pedophiles, who's the man behind the curtain? 
all these companies, all these companies promoting these ungodly agendas. Who's the man? There's a man behind the curtain, a man behind the curtain. Well, it doesn't hurt to look. You know who says that? People who can't quit doing something they know they're supposed to. It does hurt to look. It's a lie from the pit of hell. Jesus actually said himself, you say do not commit adultery, right? Let's all agree. Don't cheat on your spouse. That's, that's just like, that's just good advice. Don't be a liar. Don't sleep around. You can get STDs, you know. You don't want to be scared of stuff. You want to get make yourself sick. Never be the same. Don't commit adultery. We all agree. I mean, we all still do it. Because if I were to ask you to raise your hand if you were a virgin before you got married, if I were to ask the parents in the room, would you rather your child get married at 18 or sleep around between 17 and 21? Most people would rather their child sleep around between 17 and 21 than get married too early. Well then stop letting them play boyfriend, girlfriend when they're 12 if you want them to wait till 27 to get married because that's stupid and you couldn't do it either. Isn't it interesting? This is the man behind the curtain. Well, it doesn't hurt to look. No, Jesus said, if you look to lust, you commit adultery. Well, it doesn't hurt to look. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, the eyes are the lamp to the whole body. That's why the apostle Paul said, not even a hint. It's not okay. It's not okay to look, but not touch. It's not okay to look at all. Now you can't help what you see, but you can help what you look at. It doesn't hurt to look. No, the eyes are the lamp of the whole body. If, the, if evil goes into the eyes, the whole body is evil. Her whole body's hurting right now. <laughs> evil went in, it affects everything. Here's the good news, here's the good news. The eyes are the lamp of the body. You put good in, it makes the whole body good. That's why it's so important what you listen to, what you look at, what you watch, where you go, who you're around, how you're dressed what you stare at, what you think about. Guys, quit being pervs. Ladies, quit dressing like harlots. Come on, let's help one another. Let's build boundaries. Let's be men and women of God who are laced with integrity and build high hedges so that we stop falling from from cliffs that we could have just looked over fences and seen. Don't go there. Look at all them people down there. That's not how you want to be. Because the path to intimacy is paved with purity. The path to intimacy in Christ is paid with purity. Who's the man behind the curtain? According to counterculture, David Platt said up to 50% of the people involved in the pornography industry were kidnapped or trafficked into the industry. Up to 40%, I'm sorry, up to 50%. And that's an old statistic. The people involved in this industry were like children who were exposed to something involuntarily and now they can't get out. Who's the man behind the curtain? Well, who supports the industry? The people that look at it, the people that search it, the people that click on it, the people that go to that page or that site or download that app, Grind or Tinder or whatever else it is that you look at, wherever else you go to fulfill your little fleshly moment and then try to go back to reality and enjoy what God cre actually created you to enjoy. Who's the man behind the curtain? You are. 
people of God are the man behind the curtain supporting this industry. Now listen, I'm not here to beat you up and condemn you and have you walk out of here ashamed and ridden with guilt that you can't do anything about. But I am here to help you understand that there is a way out and you have got to stop being okay with being stuck in it. I would write it this way. See, I was exposed to this mess when I was 11 years old. I was 10 or 11. Went to a friend's house, saw a VHS that I wasn't supposed to see. A VHS is like, it's a film, <laughs> plastic. It's got, anyways, it doesn't matter. You put it in a VCR. And I was exposed. And then I exposed myself. See, we used to have to seek this stuff out. Here's how scared of this generation the devil is. Everybody under 25, look this way. The devil is so afraid of you that we used to have to seek this out, but now it's seeking you out. Eleven years old, 15, 19, 21. Man, I was so absorbed with all this mess by the time I was acting on it, exposing myself to it. Just dirty, 21 years old, just dirty. And then I kept giving my life to Jesus and giving my life to Jesus, but here's the problem. I didn't do the works befitting repentance. I kept receiving grace, but I didn't go walk in it. See, grace doesn't just forgive you of your sin and leave you stuck there. Oh, come on, let me read this scripture to you and then I'm gonna pray over you. Second Corinthians chapter 12. I believe that this is a message from Jesus to the church, not just the apostle Paul to the church in Corinth because this is where the church is today, right now. I am afraid that when I come again, Jesus is coming back. He's coming back, maybe this afternoon after LSU wins. It may be 10 years, it may be 100 years, it may be 1,000 years, but I'm telling you, he's coming. He's coming. You cannot know the day nor the hour, but you can know the season, and I see the seasons. Paul is talking to the church in Corinth, and he's saying, listen, I'm afraid that when I come again, my God is gonna humble me. I'm afraid that when Jesus comes again, he's gonna be looking for a spotless bride without blemish who's been washed by his word, but he's gonna find a bunch of immoral, bound-up people blaming God for their temptation and calling continuation in sin grace to be forgiven. I'm afraid, I'm afraid that when I come, God will humble me and I will be grieved over many who have sinned and have not repented. Yeah, you receive salvation, but you gotta repent of your sin. Repented of their acts of impurity and sexual immorality and debauchery. See, here's the problem. You can't have God's will and immorality. three years into youth ministry. Looking at things I'm not supposed to look at, still bound up. I heard the Lord say to me, Chris, you cannot have my will for your life and continue to do this. You're choosing your flesh. My wife looked at me in my mid-20s and she said, I will leave you, I will pack up our children, and I will tell your pastor why. 
I do not approve. So if you think it's okay, then go tell somebody your secret that it would affect the most. It's not okay. No amount. Because you cannot have the will of God for your life and immorality and impurity. That's the bad news. Your sin got you in. Your sin got you in. And we've been justifying it for way too long. God's grace is not just about receiving forgiveness for sin and then staying stuck in it and calling it grace. That's not grace. Grace saves you from your sin and keeps you saved from your sin. Your sin got you in. Come on, I'm about to flip the script on the devil today, but God's grace can get you out. Come on, I am a product of God's grace. My children will walk in purity in ways that I didn't walk in because we are products of God's grace. My children won't share my story because we're products of God's grace. You will walk in victory over things that you used to succumb to because you can be a product of God's grace, not just a license to stay stuck in sin that you don't want to continue to get trapped in, come on, but the grace of God, the power of the gospel, the ability to repent and do works befitting repentance that you could actually be a new creation in Christ Jesus and behave like you are. I think you need to do three things and I know it's heavy today and so I'm just gonna let it be what it is. If you wanna get in, if you wanna find victory in this area of your life, number one, you gotta confess. Confess to God because he's faithful and just to forgive, yes. But you gotta confess to somebody else so that you can pray and be healed. Pray one for another, bear one another's burden, confess your sins one to another, love one another, encourage one another. Now, you may need to call a counselor and confess. You may need to call our office and set up an appointment with one of our staff members. I can't meet with all of you. I'm sorry, I will let you down. I can't be your accountability partner for every single person. You may need to call your group leader. That's why we believe in group leaders and discipleship, and that's why we celebrate them so much. You may need to call somebody that's, if you're a child, you might need to tell your parent. Parent, don't freak out. Be stable, be steadfast. I don't know what you need to do except for you need to do whatever it takes now, today. Confess. Number two, you got to repent. I, I had to repent. To repent is to change my mind about what I thought was okay. Repent, said the Lord, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent. What does that mean? Change your mind. Change your attitude. Stop doing what you were doing. Turn away, epistrepho. Turn away, epistrepho. Turn away from your sin. Turn to Jesus. Receive salvation, said the apostle Peter. Be born again, receive salvation, repent, and do works befitting repentance. Confess, yes, repent. Here's the final thing. You're gonna do something new. Flee, said the apostle Paul, 2 Timothy 2.22, flee. Youthful lust, pursue purity righteousness, faith, love from a pure heart. Pursue purity. 
I think one of the worst things that the church did, I think it was, I think it was intended to be good. I just don't, th- I don't, I don't know if we really considered what we were telling people to do. You remember the whole true love waits movement? True love waits, true love waits. On what? To have sex with somebody? Like I'm sitting with girls, like true love's gonna wait until later. When we're married, not really. True love doesn't wait. Hear me, true love does not wait. True love pursues God's presence right now. True love pursues a relationship with Jesus. You don't need a purity ring, you need a relationship with Jesus. Come on, so that God can give you a pure heart. Pursue purity. If you're not pursuing purity, then you're not pursuing Jesus. Pursue purity. I know it's been heavy, and I'm five minutes over. Technically, it's because of the illustration. I could have planned for it. I know this is gonna be a little bit uncomfortable, but this is what I believe that the Lord told me to do. If you are 25 years old or under, I'm asking you, would you stand with me? I know it's gonna be uncomfortable. People are gonna kind of be looking at you. Come on, just begin to stand up all over this room. If you're 25 years and or under, 25 and under, 25 and under. I saw some of you, see, see when you get over 35, you will wish that you would have stood up. Like everybody that's not standing right now, they're like, I wish I could stand up. If you're 25 and under, the reason that I feel like that the Lord asked me to have you stand specifically is because I think that you are under attack as much as anybody in this room. And 25 and under at almost 40 looks at me as a spiritual father, looks at my wife as a spiritual mother. I stand in the gap between the age of retirement and the age of a teenager. And right now as a spiritual father, I'm gonna speak life into you. I want you to lean your ears in for me just a moment. If you're 25 and under, the reason that the devil is after you is because he sees the anointing on the inside of you. And he knows that if you get victory in this area, then the gates of hell cannot stop the revival that you are going to launch. I believe that you are the generation. I could be wrong. You may live to be 110, but I believe that you are the generation that will usher in the last day's revival unlike the world has ever seen before. And I believe that you were created by God for his purpose and his plan. You were not created for lust. You were not created for immorality. You were not created for impurity. And intimacy with God is paved through purity. So right now, I just want to, if you're comfortable with it, if you're not, that's fine. I am rebuking in the name of Jesus, the demon of immorality off of your life. I'm rebuking the TikTok demon, the Instagram demon, uh, the social media demon, the billboard demon, the commercial demon. I'm, I'm rebuking the secret and the hidden off of your life. I am asking God right now by the blood of Jesus, not my mouth, not my power, not my authority, but the authority by the position that God has granted me and the blood that can help us overcome. I speak victory in Jesus' name over immorality into your life right now. I claim you as the pure, undefiled, blood-washed, 
son and daughter of God that you are. I claim you as the spiritual father of this house. I claim you for God's kingdom. And may you never have peace about not being right in the middle of the purity that God intended for you and the blood that Jesus shed for you. May you only find fulfillment in his will and his plan and his purpose. If you believe that, give God praise all over this place. Everybody stand up. Everybody stand. Everybody stand. Because I don't want to leave anybody out. Everybody look this way. And then, and then Pastor Mike is going to come and share. We're going to get out. And some people are going to leave now. That's fine. You can miss out. I'm like, I'm done. I, I think we're too close. We got too much to do. There's too many people that need to be one. There's too many people trapped in, 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 in immorality and secrecy. I'm not playing anymore. I'm tired. At 39 years old, I'm tired. I'm tired of what? I'm tired of the devil having more victory than the kingdom of God. And I'm going to fight back. And I am engaging you right now. I am engaging you to build hedges. I am engaging you right now to build boundaries. I'm not holding you accountable to my immorality and my past. I am holding you accountable to God's word. Not even a hint shall be okay with the people of God from this day forward. May God Almighty give you the wisdom, the discernment, and the conviction to walk in purity and to train the next generation to do the same. May God Almighty allow the conviction to be even greater than the feeling of the consequence when we make the wrong decision. May he help us to walk in obedience in every area of our lives. It is the will of God, I'm calling it, to you and I would be made holy, not given to immorality, drunkenness, debauchery, revelry, or anything outside of the Spirit. May you walk according to the Spirit and not gratify the desires of the flesh. May you receive salvation, repent, and do works befitting repentance from this day forward. Follow Jesus with all of your heart in the matchless and mighty name of the one who gave his life so he could have you. Jesus, let it be done. If you receive it, give him praise before we go today.